Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Balkwell's Books. I am your host, Balkwell, and I'm here today to talk to you about a book. Today's book is Family by Ba Jin. And Ba Jin is actually quite an interesting fellow. You don't hear much about him around these parts, but in China he is considered one of the most important, uh, most influential writers of the 20th century. And he is known not only for his novels, but also for his political writings. Now, in order to get a bit of a glimpse uh, at what his political leanings may be, uh, we need only to look at uh, his name, the name itself, Ba Jin, uh, which is in fact a pen name. And the origin of this pen name, it is uh, derived from two Russian anarchist thinkers. The first being Bakunin, which is where we get the Ba, and the second being Kropotkin, um, which when transliterated into Chinese, uh, the final character, final syllable becomes Jin. Thus we have Ba Jin. So Ba Jin is an anarchist, and his preoccupation uh, seems to be, I mean, I've only read this one novel, but his preoccupation seems to be individual freedoms, the rights of individuals to choose their own path in life and to not be beholden to traditional structures, to the traditional uh, Chinese way of doing things, and also not have to follow the whims and fancies of the elder generation. And so that is the sort of primary conflict that is coming up in this book. Now, Ba Jin would uh, later actually become a communist and join the Communist Party, and he worked as the sort of president of the Chinese Writers Association um, all the way up until the year 2005, after being born in 1904. So he lived a good round uh, 100 years, Um, a man after my own heart, because... That's how long I'm going to live. But he wrote this book, Family, in the year 1932, when he was still a young man. In fact, he's exactly the age that that I am now. Um, And Bajin, he had studied in France. Uh, I believe he might have been in France when he wrote this novel. Not sure. He studied in France, and he had, you know, was exposed to European values, European ideals, and he even wrote uh, several novels in Esperanto, which was a constructed language sort of meant to be easily understandable, easily learnable by anything, any person with knowledge of any European language whatsoever. And this was sort of a, an ideal language to promote mass literacy, which is, of course, going to be very important to someone who values individual freedom, individual uh, expression. Because obviously, in order to express oneself the most widely, um, knowing how to read and write, especially at that time, uh, very important, very helpful, not only for expressing your own ideas, uh, but also for learning more about the world and the ideas of others. So, family. Uh, This novel primarily follows three brothers. 
of the Gao family. And the Gao family, it is a sort of noble family, a long-standing noble family in the city of Chengdu. Um, somewhat similar to the position we found ourselves in Dream of Red Mansions with the Jia family. However, we're about 250 years later now, but we see that some things uh, haven't quite changed. The eldest is named Jue Xin, the middle brother is named Jue Min, and the youngest brother, who was sort of our principal uh, protagonist of the novel, is named Jue Hui. And all three of these brothers end up in conflict with the elder generation regarding their ability to choose who they get married to. All of these brothers fall in love uh, as teenagers. They're sort of modern men, you know, they have this ideal uh, of romance and love and believe that they should be able to marry whom they choose. Of course, the traditional way of doing things, especially for a noble family, um, in China, which is the same as it was in, in Europe for a long time, was that the parents would play matchmaker with their um, with their children and set up marriages for the sake of alliances with other families, uh, you know, sort of a way of bestowing gifts or showing friendship to other people and uh, sort of political uh, purposes for the marriages. So Jue Xin, the eldest, is in love with a, with a girl named Mei, and she's sort of his childhood friend. They've grown up together, they've been in love forever, doop 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 doop, you know, they're very happy. And Jue Xin, being the eldest brother, um, and their father has actually passed away, and the, the family is sort of run by a, a patriarch, their grandfather. And this grandfather doesn't give a hoot who Jue Xin uh, is in love with, he decides on a whim to marry him off to, to some other woman. And Jue Xin does not stand up for himself. And he takes on this sort of philosophy of resignation, of sort of bending to their will in the hopes that eventually, if he exceeds often enough, maybe one day he'll get what he wants somehow. And uh, he really feels the brunt of this burden. Being the eldest son, uh, many, there's so much responsibility on him that um, he, he almost can't help but uh, accede to, to his wishes. He gets married to this other woman, and May ends up being married to a really horrible and abusive man and sort of suffers at his hands for several years before he dies, thankfully. She comes back to Chengdu, and Jue Xin and Mei sort of meet again, and it uh, resurfaces all these memories and all this anguish and all this heartbreak um, in Jue Xin. Of course, the younger brothers, Jue Min and Jue Hui, watch this all happen, and this is sort of a formative experience for them as they see what happens to Jue Xin when he doesn't stand up for himself. And they see the suffering that is caused by this traditional way of doing things. And we see in this a sort of cycle of resentment that has formed over generations after generation. 
where the sort of principle of filial piety, the principle of having to respect and follow the wishes of one's elders, breeds this resentment that when someone, when the younger generation grows up and now they have the power and they have the authority, they abuse it, just like they were abused uh, when they were younger. And now that they have this power, they look on the younger generation and say, you know, I had to go through all that to get to where I am. Uh, so now you have to go through all that too. Uh, otherwise, you know, it's not fair, you know. So Jui Min and Jui Hui, their goal is sort of to end this cycle, to end this tradition. And the the ability to choose one's marriage partner, to choose who one, mar who one marries, is just one facet of this. And it sort of becomes the sort of emotional sort of symbol in this novel. But of course, there are many other ways that this abuse of authority takes place. And there are many other ways in which the society they're living in is unjust and sort of crumbling. I mean, this story takes place, I mean, we can assume sometime in the in the 1920s. We have to remember that China is in, in a time of great political upheaval and instability. The royal family was eradicated. They've recently, 1914, I believe, was the year of independence for a new Chinese government. But even before this, they had the opium wars. They were signing all these unjust treaties. They were really at the whims of European powers. China is in a real tough spot right here. And actually, the situation of Zhui Min and Zhui Hui is somewhat similar to the two sons we saw in Turgenev's Fathers and Sons. And actually, a friend of mine who listened to that show uh, recommended this book partially because of that similarity, where those two are living in 19th century Russia at a time of extreme political and social upheaval, and they end up being attracted to the most extreme possible ideals because clearly what's going on and what has gone on for hundreds of years uh, isn't working anymore. This is the situation that Zhui Min and Zhui Hui are in. And Zhui Hui, the youngest, is the most extreme. He participates in student demonstrations. He writes for a radical newspaper. Uh, there are student de demonstrations going on all the time. That's sort of the main sort of political... I guess, grouping, uh, the political contention here is between the government and between students. The young people, uh, influenced by European thinkers and European individualism, are constantly at odds with the government that just wants to keep them down and keep them in control. And Zhui as well as being the sort of protagonist of the story, the very narration itself, even though it is written from a third-person perspective, the narration takes on the attitude of Zhui Hui. And there is a marked frustration and disdain on the part of Ba Jin himself uh, while narrating this book, uh, frustration to, towards the, the elder generation and the hypocrisy and vice that has really taken over 
if, if you think about it, sort of the idea behind traditional structures and traditions that are carried forth for hundreds or thousands of years and are insisted upon by the uh, elder generation uh, for time immemorial, the, the principle here is to uphold virtue. Is, that, is the idea that these ways are right, that they are best, and that by keeping them as close as possible to how things were done in a sort of golden age of the past, um, one can hold off the growth of vice and chaos and disruption uh, that will bring down society. However, we see in this novel that in early 20th century China, uh, the opposite is the case. These traditions are upholding vice, they're upholding hypocrisy, and they allow this elder generation to act with impunity. And we see that this elder generation, they're, they're womanizing, they're gambling, they're hanging out with young boys, they're entertained by, by violence towards uh, lower classes, they, they're really quite despicable people, and we are, you know, sympathetic with Jue Hui, who is, is angry, you know? He has a righteous indignation because he sees the suffering that these people are inflicting on the world, and they sort of jokingly say, oh, you know, you're a humanitarian, ha 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 ha, and he's like, yeah, you know, I am. Because you guys are freaks, you know? And Joy is an idealist, not only politically, but sort of romantically as well. And we see in the novel, he's in love with a bond servant named Ming Feng. And this is, of course, uh, quite a mismatch. He is a noble son, uh, and she is a bond servant that works uh, in his household. And it's clear that even with times changing and all that, that this is, this is impossible. You know, it's really beyond picking, you know, your own marriage partner. Picking a servant is a whole step beyond. And it seems that Jue Hui, his seriousness in this love affair is somewhat questionable. And I'm sort of left wondering whether he's not only doing it because it is the most extreme thing to do, and that he doesn't really reckon too much with the consequences or the repercussions. Part of this may be because the consequences and repercussions are unlikely to fall on his head um, as much as they are to fall on Ming Feng's. I mean, it's usually the woman who gets the brunt of the punishment you know, for seducing a noble son or, or whatever, or what have you. And that Jue Hui doesn't really take this uh, particularly seriously. And near the end of the novel, Ming Feng gets promised to an old man to be her concubine, like a sort of lecherous old man that Jue Hui really despises, even more than he despises most anyone else. And this is a great tragedy but when this happens, Jue Hui is busy um, writing an article for his, his newspaper and uh, isn't actually aware of what's going on. And Ming Feng, 
true to her principles, true to her ideals, commits suicide rather than suffering this, this fate. And this event might immediately bring to mind, um, if you have read the book or if you listen to the episodes I did, uh, Dream of Red Mansions. Because we saw Yuan Yang uh, in that book threaten the same thing when she is, I forget the name of the character, but one of the sons attempts to take her as his concubine and she says, I'm going to commit suicide if this happens. I'm not doing this. And this is just one of sort of many parallels to Dream of Red Mansions. And uh, I believe this to be intentional. I mean, Dream of Red Mansions is, is huge. It's extremely influential. It's a very important novel in China. Clearly, Ba Jin is thinking of that novel and in a certain sense responding to it with this work. And what I mean by this is that Dream of Red Mansions, as we discussed, the way it frames all these events of this noble family and the suffering that is caused due to the sort of patriarchal feudal structure of China, the framework for this is religious. And the prevailing attitude is one of resignation toward the sufferings of the material world, that we are living in an imperfect place, that suffering and evil are inherent in living in this material world. However, there is another realm, a sort of heavenly realm, where the good, the virtuous, lives eternal. And from this heavenly realm, the good, the beautiful, the joyous is constantly being replenished in the material world. That when a virtuous person dies in heaven, um, or dies on earth, they still exist in heaven and can still come back and be reborn. And thus, uh, the world, our material world, is this constant mixture of evil and good, but the good will always triumph because um, it is eternal. It's part of this realm that, that has nothing to do with time or space or any of this silly topsy-turvy nonsense. The good is this other thing, this religious thing. And thus, what you have to do, all you have to do on this world is accept your suffering, face your suffering in the way that you consider best, in the way that lets you get through it, and keep your mind focused on this other world. That's the true world. And family, with family, Ba Jin is not content with that. And you can sort of understand why. Because we, here we are, 250 years later. And this family, and particularly the young woman, as in Red Mansions, it's particularly the, one, the young women that suffer. This family is in the same situation. And the people are suffering in the same way. And the people are hypocritical. People are violent. Um, people are full of vice in the same way they were back then. And Ba Jin and Jue Hui ask, why should we be content with this? Why is this okay? I don't want people to suffer. I don't want to suffer. You know, why can't people live the way they want? Why can't we construct a society that allows for individual freedom, that allows for people to choose their own happiness and are not, you know 
fettered by these traditional structures that clearly don't work. If working means upholding virtue, they're failing completely, and they're not even upholding stability or anything like that because China is is in chaos, you know, with military factions and warlords and all this sort of stuff. Like, clearly it's not working, and clearly change needs to happen. This is what Zhui Hui sees. So, family, the novel is, it's radical, and it's modern, and it looks at, at history as something that we can influence. It looks at the future and says, the future is going to be different. Because we, right here in the material world, forget heaven, forget the Tao, forget all this stuff. We can do stuff right here to end the suffering that people have been facing for, you know, decades, centuries, maybe even millennia. It's a new world. We can make it right now. And this youthful energy is what gives the novel its impact. You know, it's angry. Like I said, it's angry, and it's angry um, out of out of love, you know? It's angry because things suck, but they could be better. However, at the same time, what this does is it limits the scope, and it limits the breadth uh, possible in the novel when compared to something like A Dream of Red Mansions. Dream of Red Mansions, while it centers the story of Baoyu, it is interested in many other characters, and it is sympathetic towards almost everyone in, in some way. Even someone like Shi Feng, who does all these terrible things, uh, were made to understand that she herself is, is a victim of the society she lives in, and these terrible things she does are lashings out uh, at her own lack of agency, her own lack of power, and... We are sympathetic with the elder generation, we're sympathetic with the younger generation, we're sympathetic with the servants, with country bumpkins who sort of show up, you know, from rural towns. There, there is a huge breadth to the novel that tries to represent uh, almost the whole of society. And family, in comparison, is quite limited because we really are focused on the young generation and the people like Zhui Hui, the radicals, the, the new extreme generation, the modern generation. And what this means is that there is a sort of good versus evil conflict where the older generation is evil. And they're not evil because of things that have happened like, in, at least in the novel, there's no indication of this. That there's no question of, how did the world come to be this way? Why is China like this? Why are the traditions like this? How did my parents or my uncles, you know, grow to be these sorts of people? The, the conflict is instead quite limited tempor temporally, in that Zhui Hui is reacting against the generation right before him, and I guess technically the generation before that in terms of his grandfather. And the problem with that generation is not structural, necessarily. It's The problem is that they're evil 
they're bad people and they want to do bad things and inflict suffering on people on purpose. And this is probably true of a great deal of them, or at least some of them, but it doesn't ask those broader questions. It doesn't look at things uh, uh, from a bigger sort of historical perspective. And perhaps this is actually for its benefit, because as we saw with Dream of Red Mansions, when you look at things from such a grand scale, it does make change seem at least extremely difficult, if not impossible. When you're taking a thousand-year-long view, or if you're looking at the whole of society and seeing how it all interconnects and and how it all relies on each other, and how the suffering of one person um, leads to that person causing suffering on someone else, and over and over and over this whole cycle, uh, of course it's going to seem impossible. Of course the answer is just resign yourself to the fact that this is how it is, and figure out a way to live. When you change the scope, like we see in family, and we look at Jue Hui, and he says, what can I do right now? You know, I'm not fighting the whole world. I'm fighting the governor of Chengdu, who's a jerk. I'm fighting my grandfather, who's a jerk. I'm fighting my elder brother, who's who's not a jerk, but keeps bending to the whims of jerks because he's, you know, weak-willed or, or whatever. And Jue Hui says, you know, I don't have to live like this. We don't have to live like this. You know, his elder brother, Jue Min, the middle brother, uh, he wants to get married to a girl named Chin, and she wants to become educated. She wants to go to the same school as Jue Hui and Jue Min, which is, you know, a crazy concept of men and women going to the same school. And Jue Hui sees all this and says, God dang it, why can't we do all this? You know? Why can't this new generation be different? Why can't the new world be different? And, uh, you know, it's it, that's honorable. That sort of revolutionary hope, that idealism, I mean, you need that at certain point. You can't go your whole life just resigning yourself like Jue Shin does to whatever people want to throw at you. At some point, you got to stand up and say, I think the world should be a certain way, and I'm going to do something about it. And I think that makes this book quite an appropriate and fitting response to Red Mansions for the new world that exists, the new possibilities that exist in China in the time that Ba Jin uh, was writing, in the year 1932. There's a whole world of possibility, and he sees it. And I think something that's beautiful about this book as well is at the end, the book ends with Jue Hui sort of sailing off. He, he leaves the family. He says, I'm done with all this. And he gets on a boat going to Shanghai, which is sort of the sort of loci or the focal point in the sort of new generation of, of Chinese students. And he's heading off there. And uh, there are actually two more books is sort of a form of trilogy with this one. I'm not sure if they explain what happened with Jue Hui, but the fact that this book ends with Jue Hui still hopeful that he's heading out to make change, that he's going to this sort of new, uh, you know, utopian world, I think it's a fitting ending. And then you see so many books about young uh, idealists, young radicals, that take on a much more tragic tone 
and even a more detached, a more ironic tone. I mean, you can tell that Ba Jin wrote this while he was young, and that he still had that spirit of youth within him. Whereas when people write such a book later in life, they're often far more critical of their main character. They're far more likely to focus on their faults and focus on the ways that they fail to change. Focus on the ways that these forces that are bigger than them, you know, grind them down. There's so many novels you read where that is the sort of tragic ending that the individual can't do anything in the face of these powers. And family says, you don't know that. You know, Dwei Hui can get out of there and there's hope for him in the future that he can change the world or even just change life for the people in his immediate vicinity and make life a little bit better and or at least mitigate uh, their suffering. There is a wonderful quote that Bajin includes in the foreword to this book in the edition I have, which is the Foreign Languages Press edition from Beijing. And the quote goes like this. When only the ashes of my body are left behind, even then, I know my love and my hate will never disappear. And I think what's wonderful about this is that he includes both his love and his hate and that the love comes first. The hatred in this novel, the anger, comes from a place of love. Zhui Hui wants a better world for his generation, and the reason he hates the elder generation is because they don't want that world, is because they want the new generation to turn out just like them and be subject to the same hypocrisy and vice and everything that they are. And Zhui Hui wants something different. So I think that's beautiful from Ba Jin. His love and his hate will never disappear. And perhaps that's true, because here we are, um, almost a hundred years later, and these, these words still ring true. So that has been the novel Family by Ba Jin. I'd like to thank my friend Saddle Blasters uh, for recommending this novel um, based on my love of Dream and Red Mansions and based on some of what I discussed in the episode about Fathers and Sons by Ivan Turgenev. So thank you to Saddle Blasters for the recommendation. If you have a recommendation of a book uh, you think might be interesting for me to cover, or if you have any questions about this book or any topic I've covered on the show, you can write in uh, at balkwellsbooks at gmail.com. You can leave a comment on the YouTube channel, which is Balkwell, or leave a comment on balkwell.online, which is my website where I post all of these episodes as well as nonfiction essays that I write every two weeks. If you're interested in more of my writing, uh, my novel, Only in Dreams, is available on Amazon uh, in any territory you like. Uh, the music for the show is by Max Miller, a.k.a. Fun Bill. Thank you for the music. Uh, and I'd like to thank everyone for listening to the show. Uh, goodbye.